Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I wanted a career in which everything would matter. Because I'm motivated by something bigger than myself. So I joined the CIA. And now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Here, my abilities contribute to our mission. Agency professionals have extraordinary integrity and exceptional talents. And every day, we do work that's incredibly important. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit cia.gov slash careers to learn more and apply. And what is up, GC Live fam? Wes Mitchell here. Chris Clark, Monday afternoon show, post-spring game show. First of all, I want to thank everybody that joined us on Saturday for our experimental Gamecock Central Live pregame slash watch-along slash post-game of the Garnet and Black spring game with Garnet winning 20-13. to I hope you all had a great weekend. hope you all had fun at the game. And before we get into anything else, I want to tell you about our good buddy, Clint Hammond. He's the presenting sponsor here on the show, GC Live, ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. You see it above our heads every single show. NMLS number 71597. And then email address is chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. Chris, did, uh, did we recover from the spring game yet? Not fully. If I'm being honest, uh, still a little tired. Up pretty late on Saturday night, Sunday morning. A lot of Easter activities with the family, but a lot of work too. Man, we are drinking out of a fire hose or whatever cliche you want to use. A lot going on on recruiting, a lot going on with the team and wrapping up the spring game, but it's an exciting time for sure. Yeah, definitely an exciting time. Uh, most of you or some of you may have already heard at least some of our spring game thoughts both on the live stream and then I actually posted on our YouTube sort of a little mini, very informal post-game show as well. So we're going to get into those things, but then I'm I'm going to try to like start to move this thing forward. What does it mean going into the offseason? And I want to talk a little bit of recruiting. At the time that we did that, obviously we were still at Williams-Brice Stadium. We had not really started to gather much reaction to, um, you know, the recruit or from the recruits, I should say. Now we've been able to do that. We've started, started to hear some different things that are floating around. And so I, I want to get into some recruiting. And then as Craig Godwin points out on our YouTube chat, shout out to everybody who's in our Liberty Tax YouTube chat right now. Uh, EJ Jenkins in the transfer portal announces that today, uh, Monday morning, Monday afternoon, right at noon, actually, I think. But Chris, I would have to say not not really a massive surprise when you look at the way things sort of had started to play out on, on in the receiving core. You look at the guys that either came back as far as like a Josh fan is concerned, the guys that were emerging, um, you know, AB, uh, Xavier Leggett, you know, those guys started to come on really strong in the spring. 
Then, of course, you look at Anton Wells, who joins the program and has a great spring. Corey Rucker coming in. I mean, the receiving core, we've talked about it, looks quite a bit different than it did this time last year. What were your thoughts on Jenkins hitting the portal? Yeah, I'm with you. Not not incredibly surprising. I think, obviously, he was very close, is very close with Jason Brown, and that was one of the first comments here. Do you think he follows Jason Brown of Virginia Tech? Don't know, to be honest, on the answer there. Um, but we know that uh, EJ was, you know, finishing up some academic stuff at South Carolina. But I know that when Jason Brown left, I think we all asked that question, right? You know, EJ maybe didn't factor in as much as he thought even last season. Maybe remember back to last season, a lot of fans clamoring for him to play more throughout the year. And you're right, as the spring progressed and when you kind of look forward to even the preseason or this season, um, would he have played? Yeah, I, I do think so. Um, but the receiving core does look different than it did last year um, with some of the guys that are come on. The guys you mentioned, I, I even loop in, I mean, Wes, a, a guy in, like in Trey Adkins who played really well this spring and has seen the field in the past for South Carolina. He really came on this spring. You look at the fact that Corey Rucker is coming in from Arkansas State. He'll be here this preseason. So not incredibly surprising to me to to see – you know, EJ look around and say, hey, maybe I can go somewhere else and play even more than I was projected to play at South Carolina. Of course, you've got the Jason Brown factor. I I have not heard, Wes, maybe you have. I haven't heard anything early in terms of potential destinations. Yeah, I haven't either, but my, I mean, my mind naturally went to Virginia Tech. I, I don't know what Virginia Tech's needs are. You know, generally – if you have coaching turnover, especially in the year of the transfer portal, which Virginia Tech obviously has, you're going to have a lot of guys leaving, the potential for guys coming in as well. And um, it, it wouldn't shock me at all if, uh, you know, the, the fact that EJ hits the portal day one after spring practice is over, basically, and essentially – you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't maybe already have an idea of where he's going, and and that ended up you know being Virginia Tech. I part of me says he probably would have just stuck it out if that wasn't like a very strong option. You know, I, I think um, it, it's not like he just wasn't going to play at South Carolina. Like he was going to have an opportunity. It would have been a second year within the program, second year in this offense. Do you transfer out at this point your final year of eligibility without it being to somewhere, without knowing you're going to really have an opportunity to go play somewhere and, and be in the mix? I, I would think no. With there being a, a situation there where I'm sure he could get whatever information he needed about Virginia Tech already from Jason Brown, um, you know, not to, and I'm about to say not to speculate as we speculate. I'm 100% speculating, but it just makes sense for that to be the case. Lots of questions already about the scholarship limits, and I will say this. All of you that listen to our show and watch our show have heard us talk about this way back before the spring. So you guys and girls know this, but you're going to have sort of your – there will be a portion of your casual fans who start to freak out because there will be – a pretty high number of transfers that end up leaving the program in the coming, I would probably say, I was about to say months, I would probably say in the coming weeks going into the offseason, Chris. So people can just go ahead and 
prepare themselves for that certainty. That's the word I would use, a certainty. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, th- there are a few different things at play here. You know, you do have, I think right now, technically, if you take out EJ Jenkins, I'm looking at our scholarship breakdown on Gamecock Central. I do need to give this one more run through to see if this is accurate. But I think if you take out EJ Jenkins, there are about nine players over that 85 scholarship limit. Go well, ahead, you probably, uh, at least right now, might be looking at taking out Jamal Weiss and Rico Powers as well yep. from what Beamer said That's right. on Saturday. He left the door open, but right. – Right. I think you can, as of right this second, you can probably take two more off of that, Chris. Yep, and that's what I was going to say. So so nine with Jenkins, I think you put like a pending by those other two, but they're not with the team right now. So certainly you could look at removing those guys. Uh, that would take you down to seven, you know. Um, do we still have Jalen Brooks on this? Uh, no, we don't have him on Jaylen there. Jalen right is not listed on not, there. Not listed on there. Just want to make sure from the number standpoint. So you can call it anywhere right now from nine to seven. And I know people are saying that's well, even seven. That's a big number. It is. Um, but there are a lot of guys on this team that I think Shane Beamer this week has noted that he's going to be having conversations starting today is what he noted after the spring game. So you'll start to see more of these. And uh, we're not going to speculate on all the all the names and things like that. But guys that are in their fourth, fifth, you know, sixth year of a college football program or with South Carolina who maybe aren't projected to play as much of a big significant role this season. Those are some of the guys that you may see decide, Hey, let me go play my final year or my final two years at another program. And we knew that things, you know, the team was going to have to get through spring to fully define what that means for the coaches and the players. And now everybody will have a better sense. Now that spring's wrapped, those conversations will be able to take place and you'll see another round, not only at South Carolina of transfers, but I think, at programs around the country west now that spring ball is wrapping up around the country so all that stuff will work out um it is a concern it's something certainly that south carolina as a staff they've been very cognizant of it even when you talk about recruiting and who to bring in you know we were all talking about these oh well they've got an extra transfer spot or two true but they also had to consider that 85 scholarship limit and the fact that they've been well over and have to get down there uh, by the time the season rolls around. But all, all that stuff will work out, just some more, you know, moves left to take place there. Yep, so uh, don't don't be surprised. Again, uh, some, you know, and, and honestly, again, we're not going to speculate. But for the most part, you can kind of go through the scholarship chart if you want to on your own time and kind of uh, you can pick out the guys that, that would at least make sense. Will there be – it seems like there's always maybe a surprise or two, Chris, so we'll see if it plays out like that or not. but. Um, certainly something to keep an eye on. And you do have a deadline coming up uh, that that essentially you have to be in the portal by this day in order to um, transfer and play next year. And, Chris, from what I understand, the SEC deadline to go SEC to SEC and play this year has already passed. So that's when, you know, you, you had some guys like, Amari and Mims, who I, I believe uh, Dogs HQ from On3 here has reported, is now probably going back to Georgia. But he had hit the portal, and there was speculation, well, is South Carolina going to make a move there um, from, you know, from some fans? Well, no, I can't really see a guy, unless they're just like a freshman or something, and they're projecting forward. Most people in the portal, Chris, they want to play right now. So not you're probably not going to see many SEC to SEC guys in this final little period of 
what is essentially free agency going into the season. It's going to be guys that are not in the SEC that make that move. So um, but let's go back to the game itself, man. Um, I, I rewatched in depth the first half, to be honest, sort of shot through the second half. But, you know, I, I think uh, first half is where you – sort of make your money as far as seeing the guys that are for the most part going to be on the field and in the, the top rotation moving forward. Um, now that we've digested the game, what uh, what catches your attention about uh, how it played out, man? I, I was asked kind of a similar question. I was on with the guys of 107.5 earlier, Wes, and I was asked for kind of my main takeaway. Mine, I think some people may find boring, but I feel like it needs to be said. Um, I've had some people, you know, ask me either online, just in person, some people I've seen talking about the game. And some of them said, boy, rapper didn't do much, did he? And so that, that caused me to kind of in my mind, unpack that. Right. And I think there's always caveats with the spring game. You know, you, you've got who knows who is on whose team. You've got team split, all these different factors. You do look at individual performances, but I thought there was actually a lot of positive to take away about Spencer Rattler's performance and even what some of the that first offensive group did despite not lighting up the scoreboard, right? I know, Wes, you and I, before the game, during that stream, we kind of thought that there'd be more scoring, there'd be more maybe airing out of the football. We didn't see as much of that. But I think going back and, and watching it, re-watching it, thinking about it, I thought what Spencer Rattler did was pretty impressive. There could have been a lot of pressure to go out there and try to do too much because you're Spencer Rattler, you've got a great arm, uh, you've got this big crowd of people wanting to see you perform, but he just played within the offense. And not just that, he took care of the ball, he administered the offense, there weren't all these procedural penalties, which I'm sure everyone, coaching staff included, was happy to see, right? That's not lighting up the scoreboard, but that's a great step in the right direction for this offense based on what we saw last year, that that's a market improvement. I thought Spencer Rattler still made multiple throws. I'm thinking of three in particular that really showed his arm talent, um, despite not going up down the field, lighting up the scoreboard. I mean, you think about the throw he made to Juice Wells that he had to tiptoe along the sideline to get, inch-perfect ball under pressure. I'm thinking about even just a little out route that he zipped that probably nobody even remembers, but just because it was so routine. But on the money, um, and you think about the ball to Xavier Leggett coming off his primary read, coming back to it, very impressive ball there. Um, so I still thought he showed a lot of what he can do from an arm talent standpoint and administered the offense very, very well, took care of the ball, made good decisions, and I think would have had some more plays in a live game situation with his legs or even just extending plays that were ended up being blown dead. Yeah, man, I, I think um... – his his arm talent, his ability to spread the ball around, to get the ball out quick, um, for the ball to to have the velocity that it does when he throws the football, um, I, I really think it just opens up a lot of things for this offense that just wouldn't be there otherwise, man. And, you know, those things probably aren't necessarily completely apparent. You know, I, I remember that exact out route that you're talking about. It's um, – I mean, just a flick of the wrist and the ball. You know, you and you and I looked at each other when we saw that throw live, and we're just like, you know, that 
that ball got there in a hurry and it was effortless. And I, I think those are the type of things, especially if you're watching at home, it's not necessarily doesn't quite jump off the screen. But when you talk about what it allows you to do as an offense, the, the plays you can call, the throws that are available to you, both in, in a sense of like that out route that we're talking about, or even down the field, something we didn't get to see him do a whole lot of, it spreads everything else out a little bit. It maybe puts that cornerback in a little bit more of a um, situation where he's having to worry about you just taking the easy quick out because he, you you can get the football out there quick. Um, and, and I just mean quite literally in the velocity, the amount of time it takes the ball to go from Rattler's arm to that receiver. It it changes the math almost for for that cornerback and how quickly he has to come up on that receiver. And then that opens up things down the field as well. So I think we will see as the year goes on, that's going to be a difference maker for the South Carolina offense. And that maybe opens up the running game a little bit more, which is where I will go with it as well. Marshawn Lloyd was a standout. Um, Christian Bill Smith ran hard, which is what we expect. He hits the hole fast, hits the hole hard. And then I'll tell you what, man, the rewatch. Juju was just jumping off the screen for me, man. This kid, I said it on our stream. I was like, I feel like it's just it's expected now, even though he's only a second-year player because he did step right in as a true freshman. But this guy is going to be a huge part of what they do on offense. Even if he's not like the guy who carries it 20, 25 times, he's still going to be a part of what they do. And I, I really like the possibilities of getting in that sort of two-back, split-back look and um, motioning him out or doing some different things with him. Juju averaged, I think, nine and a half yards a carry in the spring game, and he did that with – sometimes you look and say, okay, well, he had a 60-yard run. There was not any of those big runs, so there was no, like, fudging or – I can't come up with the correct word. It, it wasn't, you know, inflated by some big – Didn't skew the numbers. There you go, skew. I couldn't come up with a four-letter word. almost came up with another one because I couldn't think of that word. Um <laughs> But but I, I could I couldn't think of the word. But yeah, it wasn't skewed. Like he was really getting here's eight yards, here's nine, here's eleven. You know, he was coming up with those types of runs, the the outside zone runs, getting to the edge. He's so tough to find and he's so tough to bring down in those situations. So you're right. A twenty carry a game guy, no, but a guy that needs to touch the ball a bunch of times this season in a variety of ways, absolutely. There there were too many games last year where after the game we said Juju didn't get the ball enough. And I think, I mean, look, Satterfield even talked about that last year. He said, we don't need to have games. He said this during the season, I think. We don't need to have games where we don't get multiple touches to Jaheim Bell and Juju McDowell. Now, obviously, there were a lot of different factors at play offensively last year. Should be better poised to spread the ball around and, and kind of take better advantage of what you have. But that is, for me, a key to this offense. You've got to find a way to get Juju into the situations where he can perform and excel. And I think he's shown small sample size just from the spring and last season, but he can do those things. Yeah, certainly, man. Uh, we, we had a shout-out here from Craig on Sherrod Green. Great to see him out there. Great to see him running around. I think that linebacking core, y'all, is going to be a little bit 
deeper with athleticism, with guys they trust. Um, you know, we saw your boy uh, Donovan Westmoreland running around a little bit as well, number 15. I think he's got a bright future. Chris and I have both heard some really positive things about him just stepping in and being a, a physical playmaker for this team. So, uh, you know, Debo Williams and Mo Caba were kind of your, 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 your two backups there. And uh, I think Kaba got one of the spring awards, actually, too. I need to double-check that before I say it. But, um, you know, just maybe a little bit more depth across the board at almost every position, but not every position. So, Chris, that leads me to my question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. We're talking about scholarships earlier. And we've talked about this a little bit in the past. But let's say South Carolina feels like they're in a position to bring in one more player. And we know by by the scholarships, by the initial counters, that they're going to have an opportunity to do that. It will obviously be determined by the 85 and whether they feel like enough guys are going to transfer out. So what position are you going to go pull a guy at if you could bring in one more guy based on what you've seen throughout the entirety of spring? I would say safety. That would that would be my spot. Um, I do think South Carolina's got the starters there, Jay Roderick and Devonnie Reed. But I'll get back to a point you've made. Uh, Clayton White pointed out that R.J. Roderick could play nickel. You even said, I think, during our stream that – or after our stream that Clayton White kind of seemed to maybe like the idea of playing R.J. there. Right now, it's probably not feasible. They've got some guys that can play corner, probably got some guys that can play nickel. Don't have as many that can play safety right now. So um, you lose Jalen Foster, Jalen Dickerson is Coach Dickerson. Um, you, there's just there's just a lot going on there to where you don't have the numbers. Now you've got some freshmen. Uh, you got Peyton Williams in. Got Keenan Nelson Jr. coming in this summer, but freshmen, they're young guys. So if you could find somebody established to come in and play. They can either give you A, depth, or B, even take a starting spot and let RJ slide down to nickel. That would be the top one for me. I, I would say, you know, certainly taking a look at another rush end. They did bring in Terrell Dawkins on that front, but taking a look at another rush end, um, even taking a look at an offensive tackle, I think those are fair, but safety is is the clear front runner to me if they brought in another guy. Yeah, I mean, it's uh... – Boring answer because I'm I'm gonna disagree with you, but uh, I mean that's that is the answer. If in an ideal world, um, a, a free safety. If I'm getting like really picky, in, in my opinion, I, I think if if they could if they could find an additional free safety, then and if he's starter level, then I do I think you you plug him in. Alongside Devonnie Reed, you slide RJ to nickel, and then you have Darius Rush and Cam Smith as your two corners. And um, then I, I think you, you're you're cooking now. You know, I, I think you're in a really good place at, at that point. So I, I don't know if that's going to be possible. It's going to depend on who's out there, who pops in there. But it is a really good story to tell for the right guy if the right guy comes along. So I, I'll be very very curious to see. Um, if they're able to find someone that fits that mold, because it, that I don't want to say that just would complete the entire team, right? Like this is just a finished product, but I feel like you'd feel a lot better about the roster 
moving forward. And, and there were times when um, – there were actually times, Chris, and I need to go back and look at this a little bit more closely, but it looked like in some of their – it looked like in their dime look, um, you know, th- that at times there were actually three safeties on the field. So, um, you know, when you're pulling from that safety group to get that extra DB on the field, um, that that makes it all the more important that you add some depth to those positions. So, you know, can 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 a Peyton Williams, can an Anthony Rose, can those guys have a great summer? I, I really think that's asking a lot. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Obviously, Joseph Burns had a really good spring game, had a couple of picks, was active. Um, but do, do you want your young – Redshirt freshman walk on, starting in the SEC. If you had an injury or something, that's not that's not fair to him, man. Like that's not a it's not a knock on him at all, but it's just not fair to expect that. So to me, I'm I mean I'm with you all the way. Safety, can you find the right guy? It's got to be the right guy. You don't take take a guy just to take him. But if they can do that, I'm with you all the way. Let's shift to recruiting, Chris. And uh, I know we've been. Um, there's several other guys, y'all, that, that we want to get reactions from that we have not gotten yet. But it's been a big focus for us to uh, to talk to some of these guys and to gather, um, you know, other information, pick up some things, sort of where this class may be headed. I think we're going to see the 2023 class start to take off soon. W- what is your biggest recruiting storyline from this past weekend, Chris? Well, based on uh, fan questions, I think a lot of people are wondering where the public commitment's at, Wes. Um, I'm not that surprised. You know, I I think it can sometimes be a little bit overrated, to, and I'm not diminishing it. If they came away and had one commitment or five public commitments from the spring game, we'd be talking about what a huge weekend it was, right? Not diminishing that. I just don't think it's a huge negative that they didn't nab any public commitments this weekend because – um, I still think it was an opportunity where they got some guys that are priorities on campus for the first time in the 2023 and 2024 classes. And I also think they had some guys back on campus that have been on campus some more times than we can count, right? Some, some a handful of times where they were able to make a move or even extend their lead for some of those guys. Now that has to hold um, and they do need to walk away this summer. They need to exit July with, some public commitments. I think that's important. They can't have zero in August. Maybe you get concerned then. But I thought in general, Wes, despite the no public commitment thing, um, it was a very successful weekend from what we've heard. Um, And then they had a very impressive group of prospects. That was one of the more impressive groups from top to bottom, position by position, that I think we've seen in a while here. Yeah, and I think, Chris, the – from what we gathered, I don't want to say all because that's probably not accurate, but most of the top guys that were on those lists that we had put out before the the game itself, it seems like most of them made it in. So that that's always, you know, it's one thing to have them all on the list beforehand, but then generally you have guys sort of drop out or something comes up. For the most part, the top guys were on campus, were at the game and um, had the opportunity to take in what was by all indications a very successful week. Uh, you know, we, we've got a question here about Trayon Webb, four-star running back. Um, yeah, Florida is the school to watch there. 
South Carolina had gotten a little bit of pub as far as where they were sitting with him after one of those early kind of pre-spring visits. You know, I think Chad Simmons had put in a prediction for the Gamecocks, but Florida has pushed really hard lately. Um, Florida probably going to be tough to beat for Webb. We we have not talked to him since this most recent visit, so we'll see if you know if they can maybe flip that back. But uh, Florida, it appears to to probably be the favorite there with Webb. I thought it was interesting, Chris, that in the last couple of weeks they have had. Um, Really, actually, in the basically in those two Saturdays, they were able to host Dylan Lonergan, four-star quarterback from Georgia, Dante Reno, four-star quarterback, or future four-star quarterback, I'm going to call him. I don't think on three has him there yet. And Jaden Bradford, four-star quarterback. Bradford and Reno currently in the 2024 class. But it kind of appears, if you look at those next two classes, 2023-2024, that that trio – is the trio to watch. Like, I, I think if South Carolina had a perfect world scenario that, you know, they'd end up with like two of the three guys for, for, for those two classes. So I, I thought that was interesting that to finish off spring, again, Reno was in for that scrimmage before, but then um, you had Bradford in on Saturday. You had Lonergan in on Saturday. Lonergan took in the baseball game, or at least part of the baseball game as well. So. We don't really know what quarterback's going to look like moving forward, but I think that that's a decent indication of what direction it could be headed. Yeah, some moving parts and pieces and some things to, left to shake out to see. That's been a common question too, Wes. I've gotten a few of those on the Insiders Forum on Gamecock Central of, you know, what's the deal with Bradford and Reno? Where, where are things with Lonergan? Got to kind of let some of those things play out, but to have those three – as kind of your core group for the 23 and 24 classes combined, not a bad situation to be in. And South Carolina heavily, heavily in the mix for all those guys, a lot of mutual interest on the part of all of them, some really talented players there. And so, look, I mean, if you can say you pull two of those guys in the next two classes, however that ends up, that's a good – you've done well there because you've brought in Spencer Rattler, still got the other guys on your roster – You've got Braden Davis, who I think Wes showed some good things during the spring game in his act as well, Um, a guy that you can develop but has a lot of physical tools. And then two of those guys in the next couple classes. Again, a ways to go. We'll see how it plays out. Um, But a a nice start, I think, on the quarterback front for those two classes. Yeah, certainly, man. Um, And Braden Davis talked about him a little bit, I think, in the postgame thing. We haven't talked about him today. there were there were some really nice moments for for Braden. I, I think that was that was something for him to build off of, like some a couple of confidence building throws. Maybe he looked he looked calm and collected in there as well. And we didn't even really get to see him use what is I, I believe one of his best assets, and that's his feet, his legs, his ability to extend plays. So uh, good, by all indications, good spring for uh, for Braden Davis, and then a, a good spring game. To, uh, to to build off of. Um, so good for him, man. I, I'm trying to go through. It, it was, and this is a good problem to have on our end, certainly I'm sure a good problem for South Carolina to have. We don't really have the time to go like through anywhere close to all the guys that were on campus. So I'm kind of trying to like pick out, um, trying to group them together. And 
I'll tell you what's been kind of interesting to watch has been the offensive line recruiting for South Carolina. Uh, I mean, you look at Mar- Marky Anderson, who uh, – and my, by the way, my brain almost said Marky Hall, which was the oh, throwback defensive yeah. tackle, four-star guy way back in the day. Um, Marky is spelled differently in this case. But Marky Anderson, four-star kid out of um, Dorman that has been on campus basically three times in the last couple of weeks, was back in for the spring game. Um, you look at Trovon Ball, who is from uh, Pace Academy there in Atlanta, Georgia. I think South Carolina is in excellent shape with him, probably the favorite there. Um, you look – I'm going to let you say his name, Chris. I knew you were going – I could. I saw the hesitation. And you know what? I'm, I'm just going with Olu because I think he goes by that. Uh, uh-huh. Or Tosin, I think he calls it. I think it's Oluwatosin Babalai. He he said it for me one time, so I think I got it. And he he's a uh, you, you've already talked to him yep. uh, this weekend, right? Yeah, talked to him. Um, you know, interest some interesting comments there for him. He he said this this might be home, but we'll see. You know, so I do think he's a kid from Maryland, Dematha Catholic, which is of course is where Marshawn Lloyd went to school. So he's spoken highly of Marshawn, as everybody up there does. And, you know, he does have a lot of the Northeast suitors, you know, coming his way. So there's there's Maryland and there's Rutgers and there's Penn State. Um, so we'll see how things sort out. But, you know, if, if he's a guy that's looking to make a change from that region, he's someone that South Carolina likes, and he seemed to be highly impressed with his first visit to Columbia as well. Yeah, Zach Owens as well, a big-time offensive tackle prospect out of Georgia. Not just a big-time guy, but a big dude, massive human being. He was back in. South Carolina was the early favorite there. Clemson has pushed strongly into the mix. Gamecocks trying to fight them off. Uh, the, the competition there has gotten strong, has gotten intense. But South Carolina continuing to, I would say, remain in the mix and probably will get him in for an official visit. I, I, think, I think a lot of these guys, Chris, you know, you talked, and I'm more talking in general now, you talked about needing some some commits this summer. It seems more and more like we see players who kind of uh, want to be done by the time their senior season starts. And I, I think you'll see several of the guys we're talking about and then several other guys look to take a bunch of visits in June and then either during June or shortly after June make an announcement and be done by the time their senior year gets here. I, I even, man, I, I hear some rumblings. I wouldn't be surprised. You look, um, look in state, uh, you know, Xavier McLeod at Camden. He's talked re- most recently about like extending it all the way out and maybe announcing more towards early signing period. Um, you look at Montague Rames there at, at Sumter. He told me a few weeks ago, you know, he's going to wait down the line. But then I, I remembered almost all of Mark Barnes, who's been coaching for 100 years. Doesn't it seem like all his top guys pretty much get it out of the way before their, their senior year starts? I, I remember him making a comment to me a long time ago that um, I believe that's kind of what he prefers. So yep. it's going to be a big summer for a lot of these guys we're talking about and, and for South Carolina football recruiting. Yeah, there are several guys in that mix. I mean, a lot of the guys that we've been catching up with this weekend, a lot of them are looking at the possibility of summer official visits. And when you do that, 
if you're ready, a lot of times you see them want to get it out of the way. One that comes to mind with what you're saying, Jalen Kilgore, you know, from Georgia, who's uh, speaking of three visits, this hasn't done three visits in three weeks or whatever, like Marky Anderson, but three visits this calendar year, January, March, and then back this past weekend, big six, two safety from, from Georgia. Uh, they seem to be in a really good spot with him. And he's looking at the possibility of summer officials and decision before senior year. And, South Carolina fully ticketed to get one of those officials. So I think I do think there are a lot of guys in that boat. What you want to do is if you don't get a public commitment or a silent commitment, you know, sometime this spring, you want to continue laying that foundation and then try to get to the summer, do your official visit if that matches the timeline and exit the summer with the commitment from guys. I think we're seeing kind of the fruits of the actual timeline of the process of this staff, Wes, when we've talked about this often. Shane Beamer gets to South Carolina. You got a new staff. You don't have a lot of time from a relationship standpoint. These guys in the 23 and the 24 class, a lot of these guys they've attracted to campus multiple times and they're in the game with, they've had this longer runway to build these relationships to get them on campus multiple times. And I do think with several of them, it's going to pay off probably this summer. Definitely, man. So I'm going to run through a few more. Um, I mentioned Lonergan, and, and by the way, there is a great – if you're a Gamecock Central reader, you don't even have to be a subscriber. If you're a Gamecock Central reader, we do have a great resource that I, I don't know if a lot of people necessarily know about it or, or pay attention to it. If you go to the top menu, hit football recruiting on Gamecock Central, and then look down under there at visits, you can actually get a full, complete, populated list of anybody – by date that we have added a visit to their profile. One thing I'm hoping we can ultimately add is to where it won't just be by class that you can see all of them together. I think that would be a cool feature. But right now, you it'll it'll have like the little uh, drop-down menu. It'll default to 2023. But if you want to see which 2024s were either in or are scheduled to be in at a later date, you can do that as well. But, um, man uh, – a guy we haven't even mentioned during the show, Chris, Xavion Hardy, four-star defensive lineman, absolute stud. Jimmy Lindsay continues to work there. Um, maybe a Florida lean, though, I, I think, from what you have told me, Chris. Marquis Anderson, again, we said he's in. Uh, TJ Searcy, four-star. We've got him as a D-line on on three. I think he's maybe more of an edge guy for South Carolina. Trayon Webb in. Four-star receiver Christian Hamilton was in uh, a priority target for South Carolina that we've, we've tried to get in touch with, but uh, is a guy that I don't think we've heard from really much about his, you know, his interest in South Carolina, especially after this visit. So we'll, we'll check that out if we can. Um, Neo Avery from, uh, from up at good council an athlete could play tight end, could play defense. Um, man, Grayson Howard, four-star linebacker, Jaden Robinson, four-star linebacker, uh, Caden Lee, wide receiver out of Georgia. Uh, Jalen Johnson, a running back out of Georgia. I'd have not. Did, did we confirm that Jalen made it? Make Chris? it. He did no, not. Jalen Johnson did not. Okay, that's a. Uh, so see, we got. We need to delete his um, his visit off there. But still, that that visit um, tally there will give you an excellent idea of the guys that were scheduled or did make it in. So I would say, man. Then you go to twenty twenty four. Jaden Bradford. Um, Mazio Bennett, who is clearly one of the top 
wide receiver targets for South Carolina, um, Heaven Brown Schuler, Dylan Stewart, a couple of uh, guys on the defensive front that are four stars. So, I mean, I can go on and on with the list of guys that were on campus on Saturday. My computer froze. Just live live show, Wes. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, – I mean, you, you read off the names and I'm going, geez, that's a lot of people. Yeah, so really, really impressive list. And I think – Look, that's just kind of the culmination of the spring. Like, this isn't just the one event that South Carolina just brought all these guys in. A lot of those guys that you mentioned have been on campus multiple times this year. A bunch of them even last year for games. And now they're they're in the mix now to get these guys, a lot of them, the 23 guys, back on campus for summer visits. Some of them they'll get back on campus for a game. I've had some guys tell me that we're on campus for the first time. And one of the questions is, are you looking at maybe coming back at some point? Maybe some of these 2024 guys, for instance, that haven't been on campus yet. And the answer I've gotten is, yeah, want to come back for a game. You know, they've gotten to see the spring game. They've gotten to see that type of environment. They've gotten to see the facilities, see the coaches for the first time. But now they want to come back and see the real thing. So I think the spring game for some guys, it was kind of another step in the process. Some guys it opened that visit process for them, but nonetheless important to all of them. So. Great group there. Um, a lot of guys to continue to track. That drove home the point to me, Wes, that we still have a lot of guys to get in touch with um, and a lot of information to continue rolling. We're still hearing returns just from other sources, too, on, on specific players and the position that South Carolina has gotten into with some of them. Yeah, man, I, I think they're – I think they're very – when I say they're, I mean just the, the folks in the program, I think they're very happy and very excited uh, about the direction of this thing based on the guys that were on campus this weekend. And I I don't know, man. I just have a feeling that – and it's not necessarily a prediction. I just have a feeling that the first 2023, like, public commit just could be on the board soon. Like, I, I don't know. It just, it just feels like it's building to that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm – you know, maybe I'm right. But I, I feel like it's building towards that. And um, I'm sure that will continue the excitement into the offseason for these Gamecock fans. Uh, do, do you know what today is, Chris, by the way? Well, it is uh, it is tax day, the 18th. Yes, it is. So, if whew, guys, if you if you're still haven't done your taxes, we need to talk. Woo. But uh, yeah. before you talk to me, you need to talk to our friends at Liberty Tax right here in Columbia, 803-462-5576. Uh, they have offices in Columbia, Irmo, and Lexington, so you can overcome your taxiety, which – if you waited this long, you must not have any tax ID because you're just you're chilling, you're laid back. But um, again, 803-462-5576. They have certainly uh, in-person traditional tax prep, and they also have online virtual tax prep if that is something that's more up your alley. But um, give them a call. Today is tax day. It is April. It is. It is. Uh, it is April eighteenth. Sorry, I Chris and I with dates. It's just a struggle. I'm real bad. But I knew, it is I knew 4, 18, 2022. That is tax day. I imagine at this point, they may have to help you file an extension. But that is legal, and you can do that. So I'm sure if you call 803-462-5576, they will help walk you through that process. Chris, what is what is up next for us, man? Who um, Who – are Gamecock fans going to hear from next from you? Who are they going to hear from from me? 
Yes. I don't know yet. We're going to keep it a mystery. Um, we do have, well, I, I, I do know. I, I, have some, I have some things cooking. But one thing I know for sure, we Jaylon Kilgore, we will have an interview up with him, full interview up. That'll be pro- probably today, Wes. I intended to put it out earlier. So much content rolling. Him, uh, I've got a story that we're working on on another guy that I think you mentioned in that extensive list uh, from Buford, Paul Mubinga, the offensive lineman, uh, took uh, what was his second visit, first of this year, first since he was offered to South Carolina, and a bunch of other stuff. We got a lot of stuff cooking with Gamecock Central, a lot of stuff cooking with Garnet Trust, have some more exclusives coming up there, some really cool stuff that I'm excited about on that front too. Yep, on my end, so you can go check out my uh, Trevon Ball interview. Uh, that just got posted right before we went live. Also, um, I think I already mentioned Jaden Bradford, Mazio Bennett, a couple of top 2024s. I talked to them. Um, I don't know if they'll go out today or tomorrow. It's going to depend on what other content ends up up on the website. And let, let's take one final question here. Ashley on YouTube says, how do we feel about the kickers following the spring game? And that, that's a good question, man. I, I thought – I thought the guys performed well. Um, you know, you, you look at – and so right now it's what, Mitch Jeter and Alex Herrera fighting it out sort of for that top spot. Um, Jack Luckhurst, who has been injured, will get added back to the mix this summer. I sort of – I think ultimately it's probably going to be Mitch Jeter's position to lose. Like I, I think he'll sort of have the first rights to win it, but that's that's just me sort of – speculating i guess it sounds like it has been a pretty tight tough battle so far yeah it's been it's been a tight one um both of those guys have seemed to impress the staff i will say jeter i mean if it means anything jeter was the first guy that attempted a field goal in the game when that situation arose if i'm not mistaken so he he was but that was just because he was on the garnet team right that's true that's true that's true the kickers were split the kickers were split yeah. You're ruining my theory. But I think he's been out there the first guy in practice. Yeah, he has. When it, when it was field goal time. So my point still stands. Well, and he he's on scholarship. So he's on scholarship. He's on scholarship. I, generally, if it's if it's tied, like I I mean, I hate to say that. It just seems like the scholarship guy, and he's got the strongest leg. So yeah. Yeah. if the accuracy is equal then yeah. it probably goes to the strongest leg. If the accuracy is not equal, you can always, Chris, go short yardage kicker, deep kicker. You can always split it among, hey, this guy's going to be the kickoff guy and this guy's going to be the field goal guy. You have options. So it, it does, you know, and, and obviously it's going to come down to who handles pressure. It's not, it's not about who can kick it when – there's nobody around. It's going to be about who can do what Parker White did. And that was just compartmentalize everything else right down to just executing in the moment. And we've seen, man, there's, there's been a long run, a long line of really good kickers at South Carolina. There, there has been. And I mean, I, I think that competition level as well can be good for Herrera, like, I don't know if I anticipated it being this close. You know, I mean, I think we kind of, I kind of came into the spring assuming it would be Jeter's job, not locked in for sure, but Herrera has made it close. I mean, I think back to the guy you mentioned, Parker White, 
talking about when South Carolina brought in Shane Hines. And a lot of people are like, okay, well, they're bringing in Shane Hines. They want him to be the guy. And Parker White was like, no, nah, I'll, I'll be the guy. And he kind of – that competition really helped him. It took him to the next level. So South Carolina has been very, very blessed on the kicker front over the last several years. I mean, they've had a string. And so I, I feel like it's a position that some people have taken for granted a little bit and just thinking, you know, here comes a, a 35-yard field goal most of the time over the last several years that's money whoever's been out there that's not necessarily always the case so um now they do have guys that have the talent to do it but it's just kind of a to be determined until you get in a game situation jeter can definitely he can definitely boot it though oh yeah he can boot it man and um i think shane hines just kind of pieced on out once he realized that parker was like nah i'm we're good here i i got this this is this is my job and um the, the funny thing is, and I'm trying to, Chris, I'm trying to think of the kid's name. It's not coming to me. Even Parker's first year, that position was ticketed for, for someone else. And then Parker sort of just took the spot. And I, I think it was because he performed better with, with the lights on. You know, I, I think um, in practice, I'm guessing maybe it didn't necessarily look like that. But then as things went on, I think there was a missed extra point early on there, and then Parker took over the job and, and really just never, never gave it up. So um, may, maybe I'm maybe I'm a little too quick to to give Jeter the edge, but I do think ultimately um, he does. As y'all said, he's got a big leg and he's going to have every opportunity to to win it. But it's good to have a couple of guys, and it's good to have somebody like Pete Limbo who is as experienced as anybody at getting those guys ready for what is ahead. You got any closing thoughts, Chris? No, man. We we could keep going forever, but we better jump off here, get some more stuff done, and uh, good show today. Appreciate everybody watching. Good numbers again today. A lot of good questions, a lot of good comments. Yeah, appreciate all the support. As always, he is Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. Remember to rate, review, subscribe. Um, certainly on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. It is free, and we are closing in on 10,000 subscribers, which is uh, – Pretty awesome. So we appreciate the support. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll talk to y'all very soon. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.